Just a day before the pre-orders for the next generation of Xbox was to go on sale, Microsoft dropped a bombshell on the gaming industry. Over on the Xbox Wire, Microsoft has announced that they have entered into an agreement to acquire ZeniMax Media, which includes all of their game studios and the talents of over 2,300 employees who are currently employed there. This is huge news for Xbox as the landscape for this generation might look extremely different depending on how Microsoft proceeds. Will they use all of the talented studios for Xbox exclusives? Will there be available somewhere else but on Game Pass on day one to drive subscriptions? Or will it fall somewhere in between? This week, we talk about it on the Video Games Podcast. Some of the biggest and best games of modern gaming have come from a ZeniMax-owned studio. Bethesda Softworks, Bethesda Game Studios, id Software, Arcane, Machine Games, Tango Gameworks, and many other studios are bringing their famous works to Microsoft. These are some of the studios behind amazing franchises like Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Doom, Wolfenstein, Prey, Dishonored, Evil Within, Rage, Quake, and plenty of upcoming titles including Starfield, Deathloop, and Ghostwire Tokyo. But before getting off topic about what this means for Microsoft and the rest of the gaming industry, it's very important to look at the details of this purchase. The cost of acquiring ZeniMax is $7.5 billion and will bring the total number of first-party studios within Microsoft now up to 23, which is a far cry from where they were just a few years ago before they started all the acquisitions. Microsoft is a massive company and one of the few companies in the world that is worth over a trillion dollars, which should explain why they have acquired so many companies over the past decade. Even outside of the world of gaming, Microsoft has acquired other companies like LinkedIn and they have turned them into a very profitable aspect of their portfolio. They've also added multiple game developers to Xbox Game Studios over the past few years that we all know of like Obsidian, Double Fine, and Ninja Theory. They recently even tried to acquire TikTok, and in the world of gaming, there was speculation that they were interested in the purchase of WB Games before AT&T decided they should not sell the WB Games aspect of their portfolio. The value that was floating around for what WB was worth was in the ballpark of $4 billion, which might have been too high for the potential buyers based on their limited franchises. Although, I'm sure Microsoft would have loved to acquire WB Games in addition to ZeniMax Studios as the Recent acquisition has likely been in the works for a while. Now, in the most recent quarterly earnings call, Microsoft has had a revenue of over $38 billion and a net income of over $11 billion just in the last quarter, which means that this purchase of ZeniMax for $7.5 billion will be written off in less than three months. I think one of the best pieces of news is that with the funds that Microsoft will be able to put behind some of these studios, there is a good chance that we will see future installments of franchises that might have otherwise ended due to being a commercial failure despite its critical success. I think games like Evil Within, Prey, and Dishonored seem to have garnered critical praise and cult followings, but I think they lack commercial success to justify sequels. 
We are already seeing how this partnership is paying dividends for Game Pass as Doom Eternal is now already available on the service, which is a great value add for the critical success that was released only six months ago. According to Phil Spencer, we will be adding Bethesda's iconic franchises to Xbox Game Pass for console and PC. In the spring of 2020, The Verge ran an article stating that the subscriptions for Xbox Game Pass were around 10 million, and just this week, they ran another article announcing that the amount of subscribers to the service is over 15 million, which means that in less than six months that the service has already increased 50%, and I think tying the benefit of adding more value to Game Pass being the end goal. Microsoft is able to recoup a lot of the costs very quickly. Now, assuming that most users are paying around $10 monthly for the service or 15 somewhere around there that means the game pass generates between 150 to 200 million per month which is almost $2 billion per year to essentially let people rent games it's a great service and it's a great value for Microsoft too I can strongly assume that when the next generation of Xbox gets released on November 10th, those figures will see a significant rise and they will likely see a large rise again when there are massive first party titles like Halo Infinite, hopefully in 2021. And then once again, when they start seeing the fruits of their labor from all of the recently acquired studios, including ZeniMax. Game Pass took the Netflix approach to be the best choice available for gamers and since they were ahead of the rest of the industry on their thinking, they will be able to capitalize and build a large consumer base before the competition really catches up. Netflix now has many competitors, but they are the industry leaders with over 180 million subscribers worldwide. And I think at around 15 million subscribers for Game Pass, there is massive potential to grow Game Pass to over 100 million users over the next five years quite easily, especially if it becomes offered on other places outside of PC and Xbox. But just crunching some simple numbers, if Microsoft is able to grow Game Pass to 100 million with the average consumer were paying around $15 a month for Ultimate, then Microsoft would be able to make somewhere around $1.5 billion per month. Game Pass is one way that the acquisition of ZeniMax is going to pay dividends for Microsoft, but how do they plan to use the franchises moving forward? I think when comparing Xbox and PlayStation, the winning argument for Sony is that they just have more, better exclusives. This isn't a secret, and everyone is aware of this, including Phil Spencer, which is why during the Xbox One generation, he began trying to fix the shortcomings of Xbox. Now, one thing about Phil Spencer is that he is as transparent as an executive can be without giving away the farm. And in a recent interview with Bloomberg, Phil said that Xbox will take other consoles on a case-by-case -case basis, referring to how exclusivities will come from this merger. Ghostwire Tokyo, the latest creation from Shinji Mikami after the Evil Within, and Deathloop, the stylish time-bending shooter from Arcane, were both set to be timed exclusives for PlayStation. Deathloop was initially even supposed to be one of the launch window games to the PlayStation 5. However, it's now been delayed into 2021. And I am sure that Microsoft could have made it so that both of these games became Xbox exclusives, but I think they decided to do the right thing and honor the original commitments that ZeniMax made with Sony. This whole merger is supposed to shine a bright light on Xbox and how they are trying to be the place for consumer-friendly moves, including Game Pass, xCloud, and exclusives. I think taking away the deal in place with Sony would have been a bad look for Microsoft and would have generated negative press. 
In terms of everything else outside of those two games, I do believe that Phil Spencer is being genuine. I think there will be a lot of titles that will become Xbox exclusives, and I think that some titles are just too big and they will become multi-platform. When Microsoft bought Mojang back in 2014, they could have kept Minecraft exclusive to Xbox, but instead, they understood the big picture and how much revenue that game will generate on other platforms. Selling 10 million copies on Xbox and getting all the proceeds isn't nearly as good as getting a smaller portion of over 200 million copies that that game has sold so far. Skyrim is one of the best-selling games of all time as it has been available on pretty much everything possible and it's likely that the successor to that game will be just as successful if not greater. In a similar manner to Minecraft, I think it makes a lot more financial sense to make a smaller portion off of more games sold than a bigger portion from less games sold. I expect to see the next Elder Scrolls available everywhere, but the big way in which Microsoft will drive people to Game Pass is by having games like Elder Scrolls 6 available day and date on the service for free. Sure, you can play it anywhere, but it will cost you at least $70. Or you can play it on Xbox and have it included with Game Pass for $10 to $15 a month along with all of the other titles on the service. Once more games start getting released this generation, the argument for Game Pass will become much stronger than it is now and it will become basically too hard to pass up. It seems like Microsoft moving forward will continue to be on the same path that they have been going down for the past few years by acquiring developers into Xbox Game Studios. In an interview with CNET shortly after the acquisition was revealed, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella explained how this method of acquiring studios is more logical for Xbox. You can't wake up one day and say, let me build a game, emphasizing just how long it takes to create an internal studio and develop a game. There are massive steps that must be taken from creating the studio to having a game release including staffing, concept, design, testing, marketing and multiple steps in each category before getting the final product to the gamer. Back in 2018, Microsoft formed an internal studio composed of top-tier, experienced gaming talent from within the industry that they called The Initiative. It, you probably remember it, it was Quad A. We still haven't heard anything regarding what the team has been working on, and although sometimes we are surprised with game announcements that are only a few months away from release, whatever the initiative is working on will likely see a long marketing plan. Based on this, it seems unlikely that we will see the product released in 2021, which means that 2022 is four years from when they announced the company, and four years is a long time to gamble on an unknown commodity. Satya Nadella continued with CNET explaining that acquiring is a much smarter path for Microsoft to take and he said we'll always look for places where there is that commonality of purpose, mission and culture. We will always look to grow inorganically where it makes sense. I think seeing a finished product for any one of ZeniMax Studios will likely be produced in a much quicker fashion than four to five years that it would take a newly formed studio. These are established studios with established franchises and these are much lower financial risks and I think the openness of Phil Spencer and Satya Nadella is leaning towards Microsoft continuing to acquire more talent in the future. Moving forward, there has been speculation that Microsoft will try to acquire more talent. I think companies that have been floated around include Sega, there was always the possibility that AT&T tries to sell WB games again, and there has even been talk for Bungie to come back to Microsoft in some way or another. 
There is lots of potential for anything to happen, and this generation is just getting started. That's all for the video games podcast this week. I hope you were able to get a pre-order of Xbox or PS5 or even both. I am still making my way out of hell in Hades working on the review. It's pretty much complete, but I just want to make sure that nothing changes near the end, so I will keep you posted on that. But spoiler alert, it is very good. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you're not subscribed, then please consider doing so and even dropping a positive review. And remember, the gaming is supposed to be fun, so please be nice to your fellow gamer and more importantly, be nice to your fellow human. 